Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. All right, so welcome. This week I've on a very special guest, somebody I have been meaning to get on, but I am lazy and forget to ask people, and Rachel bullied me into letting her on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, I have Rachel Gabrielle, who is the co-host of a great podcast called How About No, and uh also, she has a job that's relevant to our interests, if you'll introduce yourself, Rachel. Sure. Um, I'm, as you said, I am the co-host of How About No with Mona Conception, the world's only female Chamorro comedian. Um, always like to get that in there. I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Washington. Woo! Which I will be there in two weeks, and we have a whole little yeah. girls' day planned. I'm so excited for so anybody excited. listening. Um, that lives in Seattle. We're going to do on Friday the 13th. <laughs> That's funny. Um, on Friday the 13th, I'm going to do a little meetup. I'm going to post the details to our Emotionally Broken Psychos Facebook page. If you guys are interested, we'll probably just, I mean, I say like drinks, even though I don't drink, but like, you know, an after dinner little get together of uh, the psychos and featherheads that live in Seattle. <laughs> so fun. I'm so excited to come out there. I'm so excited. My little baby nephew is like a month old. I'm finally going to meet him, and I'm so happy. And you're coming during the best time of the year. That's so. what literally every single person that I'm like, oh, I'm going to Seattle in two weeks. They're like, oh, it's the best time of the year. <laughs> yep. Okay, so yep, this yep, week yep. Was... And I'll be your personal chauffeur if you want. Yeah, and I can't wait. Uh, we just need to get right <laughs> into the episode. Like... This has yeah. probably been the wildest episode of Teen Mom OG or Teen Mom 2 that's been shown in a while. I can't I can't remember the last time like I've been like, whoa. And I mean, just like all week, people on Reddit, on Twitter, on Facebook have been like, I cannot fucking wait to hear you recap this because it was just mm-hmm. it was wild. It was wild. It was a lot to unpack, and I'm so glad I ended up um on this episode with you because there's just so much to talk about there is and we're gonna just start with macy because it's like i can't i can't build up to it like we just need to get right in it in my opinion okay um you know like we could start with amber or farah but like i just want to get right to the meat of it which is that ryan like i just like my overall thoughts is like i'm Excuse me. I'm in a way shocked that MTV like went there. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's it just they yeah. they made a decision. I'm assuming the editors or producers like made a decision. Like Ryan being this fu- like you have to wonder like if the people producing this show are like kind of you know they have to be making conscious choices if they're going to put his issues out there like that. Yes. Absolutely. And um, it's not like they had the option to not film because everything that was caught was on GoPros, right? It wasn't like there was a producer like 
on the hood of the car. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think, like, I'm just surprised that they're willing to, I don't know, because now, like, Jen, Larry, and Mackenzie have to take on a whole new role. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. they're no longer just, like, Bentley's family. Like, now, it just, it really adds a layer and I wonder if MTV's been sitting on this for a while and they just, like, weren't ready to put that... They they weren't ready to make Jen and Larry, like, Ryan's enablers. Right. And, yeah, we really... Wow. Jen, <laughs> let's not get there yet. But... Yeah. So it starts with uh, Keely, Keely coming over and Macy's, like, basically saying, like, she's been trying to reach out to Ryan and he's not responding and, um, like, to me, the main thing that's going on is that I see for Macy, of course, she's genuinely concerned. Like, how could you not be right? Like, she loved Ryan at one point. He's the father of her child. But I think the biggest issue for Macy right now is control. And I think that's always been an issue between her and Ryan. And I think she's having a lot of trouble that she just has, like, no control whatsoever over Ryan and what his family is doing. Yeah, and I think she has genuine concern, but one thing I always find so shocking about Macy is that she's so monotone in how she speaks, and, like, this conversation with her friend, she was so, her affect is so flat. Yeah. And her, yeah, and her friend was, like, smiling through it the whole time, and so, you know, I could tell, for me, it seemed like they were it was scripted or, you know, the friend had thought of these questions beforehand and had memorized them, you know, and well, was trying really hard. I think that's definitely true because obviously like M- Keely's been Macy's best friend, like forever. I'm pretty sure she was in her 16 and pregnant episode. Like I will say, and I've always said this, Macy is one of the only teen moms. I would say also Chelsea who has had genuine friendships that have lasted throughout the years. And we've seen like genuine friendships as opposed to, to the other moms who have, like, boyfriends and their family members filming, uh, Macy always has real friends. And Keely is definitely one of her legitimate best friends. And, like, so they've been talking about this for years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if yeah. Keely was just, like, trying really hard, like, trying to remember, like, what exactly she can say on camera and what she can't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're probably right. For sure. So, like, and it is scripted one of my and one of my questions has been, was Ryan on drugs, like, during 16 and Pregnant? So, my thing is, I think he was probably on, like, smoking weed. Um, But if you, like, go back, and I've been watching, like, some scenes, like, his mood was always very flat. Like, he was always detached. And I'm wondering, like, how far back this goes. Yeah, but I feel like in the last season... I find him so much more likable on drugs. This season he <laughs> has been a lot better, don't you think? Like, like he's, yeah, he's more, he's less detached. He's funnier. He's a little more connected with what's going on. Um, and I feel like that must be the drugs or maybe he switched drugs or maybe he's on some kind of psych medication in addition to, you know, recreational drugs. But He's been more likable for me. I hated him for so long. And especially after I found out about what, like, supposedly him killing all those cats and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Um, but I do, like, he went to rehab for the, for, well, not, I use rehab in quotes. Like, he went to outpatient therapy, which is, you know, it's, it's not an uncommon first stop, let's just say, for, mm-hmm. like, many opiate mm-hmm. addicts. Like, especially when their families are not ready to hardline them yet. It's like, all right, we'll take them, like, they, like, call up the family doctor because they don't even know who to ask. And the family doctor's like, oh, go to this, like, counseling service place, and you do, like, the three-day-a-week outpatient. It's it, it's definitely a regular first stop for a lot of people. You know, when the family's not willing to be like, you have to go to fucking rehab, and they're not that educated on addiction. And they're like, oh, well, this will work. Um, but, so he yeah. went to rehab in 2012 for Roxy Cotton. So if he was already at rehab level by 2012, you know... I think 16 and Pregnant first came on the air in 2009. So mm-hmm. I, to me, it's like pretty safe to assume he was at, probably at least like smoking a lot of weed or drinking a lot, you know, like you yeah, doing whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So Macy, like, you know, well, first of all, she says she doesn't think Jen and Larry will believe her, which. Right. I don't know. I found interesting. I'm not. I think it. I think it's weird that she's like basically made it seem like Jen and Larry are not an option for her to go to. Yeah, I could see Jen and Larry being in a layer of denial, though, about it. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. Or thinking that Macy just wants more custody or something. But. But I don't know. Yeah, that's. But Macy's been wanting to kind of separate herself from them. Yeah, a I lot think that's season. I think that's the big issue because like if she's sitting here saying like I won't be able to live with myself if something happens because like and I didn't do more because he didn't answer my text. It's like so how is your first stop not to his parents that are heavily involved in his life? Right. <laughs> like that's what that's doesn't make that question. doesn't make sense to me. Like if you are so concerned that you literally cannot sleep at night. You don't know how to approach Ryan. He's refusing to interact with you. Like, and you've had like a decent relationship with Jen and Larry for 10 years. Like, wouldn't they be who you go to? Even if like, you're not sure that they'll believe you, even if like, you're trying to connect, like disconnect yourself from them a little bit. Like, I I don't know. To me, that seems like where you would go. Yeah, I think you're right. I, yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and, like, she also could have called Mackenzie and just said, are you as concerned as I am, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I do understand. Is this where they said it, where she was, like, kind of worried about going to Mackenzie? They said this, right? That she was, like, kind of worried about going to Mackenzie because she didn't want to seem like an ex-girlfriend that was, like, meddling in their relationship. Did I hallucinate that? Yeah, but, I mean, get over it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. It seems, and I think this is where Macy's, like, control and image problems come in that she's, like, always kind of had and how, like, Macy has always, always, always since season one been the most um, in control of her image and what she puts out there. And she's always been the one that's been able to, like, hold off for the cameras, like, I think part of it is her natural personality because she just doesn't get like super emotional. And so it's easier for mm-hmm. her to like be like the most in control as opposed to someone like Janelle who has like, or Farah <laughs> who has like no control whatsoever when the cameras are there. Um, and I, yeah. I think part of what's bothering this so much about Macy is that she like just, she doesn't have a say in it. Yeah. 
Absolutely. She doesn't. And, um, okay. So for me, that conversation was kind of dull. Yeah, I agree. I like, (laughs) yeah, it's like they had to have it because Macy is the teen mom, but I'm like, do we need to watch Macy scenes in this episode? Yeah, it was definitely more interesting when they cut to Ryan and Mackenzie and, um, her kind of, God, Mackenzie's just flat out, like, denial ignoring of what's right in front of her was just beyond yeah um so our next scene is oh and i did find it funny like macy just like on her control and like image consciousness like she's she said i'm still trying to talk to ryan about his substance abuse problems and i just thought it was like Mm. she was very using very clinical terms like obviously like she read online or that drug counselor, whoever he is that she was talking to, like has been referring it to as a substance abuse problem. And I think she's like right. being very careful, like not to call him a drug addict. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yes. Cause that's not like a natural way of talking. Like I would never be like, I'm concerned about your substance abuse problem. Like I would, but that's because I'm in that business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. Um, so we flash over to Ryan's parents' house, and first of all, I'm, like, so obsessed with Ryan and Mackenzie's little King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. He's oh, he's so, so fucking cute. cute. That dog is so cute. Um, Ryan's playing with his monster trucks, which I thought was a, f- <laughs> a funny juxtaposition that they were, like, talking about the wedding, and they were showing that Ryan is still, like, a fucking child. Yeah. And uh, Ma- Ma- Mackenzie. Macy and Mackenzie are a little too similar in, like, name for me. It's hard. Isn't it? Like, it needs to be a little simpler. Yeah. So, um, Ryan, oh, so Mac is, like, on the phone and she's, like, setting up an appointment and you're not really sure what for. And then she's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, we-, we got the marriage license online and we just need to pick it up. And you're like, ew, what? i know i know oh yeah yeah so she got the marriage license and then she's calling like 1-800 dial a priest or something (laughs) that's exactly it um that's exactly it and she i did okay so someone pointed this out on uh reddit i can i never pick these up when i watch it but they did point out that so the next scene the next thing that she says is like she's explaining to the producer that they're gonna get married and she's like well ryan met with a lawyer about getting his rights legalized with bentley and someone on reddit pointed this out that almost every time she mentioned like custody it was from behind like she wasn't speaking directly to the camera and a lot of times mtv is doing that because they're um like editing together clips mm-hmm. and she might yeah. not have actually like, you been mean saying I- it <laughs> Right, as a voiceover. Yeah, or like she said it later about something else, and they like cut it into that. Oh yeah, I bet. Um, so but basically the storyline we're given is that Ryan wants to get his rights legalized with Bentley, which I don't even know what that fucking means. I don't understand what their custody situation is. I did watch a clip on MTV this week, like trying to figure it out, and like they went to mediation and like decided on a custody agreement. But I wonder if they never like submitted it to a judge 
And, like, this whole time they've just had this, like, agreed-upon visitation schedule. That's so lazy. It's so lazy. But I can kind of, I guess, like, I can understand, like, excuse me, like, if they agreed, it was like, well, why would we go in front of a judge? I guess so. And Macy always kind of used the, like, she never really wanted to take legal action, like, ever since 16 and pregnant she only did it like if she absolutely had to or was trying to prove a point and I remember on 16 and pregnant when she found out that his wages could be garnished and like she was so surprised about she had no idea and that if he didn't pay he could go to jail and stuff like that and she was like I wonder if he knows all of this and it was more like she educated him on it yeah so I wonder like if they've and that's why they have the fights about Thanksgiving and I mean I I think a lot of people do do this where like they come to an agreement and it's fine so they don't go to the court about it. Although we they saw a mediator and I wonder if that was like just for MTV's sake or what, but like Mackenzie is like we need to get married because it will look better for custody. And it's like will it look better for custody that he married his girlfriend after 6 months? Yeah, and so my question is was it more for her custody situation? Yeah, I wonder. Now, they don't talk about her son, because... really. They've only mentioned him once when he asked if Bentley would be his cousin, which is cute. Um, I wonder if, yeah, she had those, cus- like, her custody agreement changed recently. And I wonder if her ex was kind of pushing back against her, like, she has him living with, like, a boyfriend. Right. Right. Who's maybe a drug addict. Yeah, exactly. Like, she has him, like... Because Ryan, okay, Mackenzie has not even been divorced for a year yet. That's, yeah. Wow. Remember, she was, like, (laughs) essentially forced to marry her high school boyfriend when she got pregnant at 16. Um, And I think they were in an on-and-off-again marriage because they were 16-year-olds with kids, you know. And they finally, their divorce finalized, I believe, in September of 2016. Ugh, whoa yeah this is, oof. Yep. I don't like it I don't like it but I'm you know I'm from the north so. yeah. yeah this is foreign to us but I really think um Mackenzie oh yeah I lost my turn of thought but I think you could have a really good point that like I wouldn't be surprised if like in the recent custody hearings her ex-husband was like look, this is ridiculous. Like, we've been married, we've been divorced for six months, and she's already living and engaged to this guy. Like, it, she's unstable. It's not a good situation for our son. And they didn't put that in. I wonder if because, like, if this is the case, because Mackenzie's, I mean, it goes back to, like, why they didn't show us that Ryan was a drug addict before, even though he clearly was. And it's because, like, Mackenzie's custody, like, isn't a storyline. And, like, she's very much a side character, And it's, like, why they don't really talk about, like, in Gary's segments, like, Christina's custody stuff. It's just, it's, like, Mm -hmm. it's just, like, too much info. And the idea is, like, Macy is the main character. And, like, we only should be caring about, like, how it relates to Macy. You know what I mean? And, like, Mackenzie's custody agreement, like, has nothing to do with Macy. And so I really wouldn't be shocked if you were right. And, like, they were going for Mackenzie's custody reasons. And... Yeah, it'd still be crazy. I still don't understand how a judge would look at that. But I guess, like, I mean, family courts definitely, like, favor a stepfather to a live-in boyfriend. Like, absolutely. Yeah, and 
can I tell you yeah. the clues that I'm seeing yeah. that bring me there Absolutely. is that um, there's an element of mania to all of this. So in part, I wonder if she has some um, mental disorder stuff going on, diagnosed or undiagnosed, that may mm-hmm. be of concern to her ex as well. Um, and everything that she did to me suggested like a manic episode. Like, I'm going to call a priest today. I'm going to get the license today. I'm going to get a dress today. We're going to do it today. Like, that is manic behavior. And um, the Ryan, like, so what they showed him in the car Mm -hmm. tells me he must have dosed on whatever he took, like, pretty recently. Mm Mm-hmm. Like right before, like an hour before they left, right? Or something like that, mm-hmm, which to me, it's like, yeah. And if he was into this idea as much as he probably like should be, he might not have needed to do that. Um, I will say, so coming from like the heroin addict point of view, I would yeah. actually argue it's the opposite. And that if you're okay. into the idea, you're more likely to use right Mm. before you leave because you don't want to be sick and like you think it's like oh like so here's the thing guys like when i i don't even know if i've talked about this but like the whole thing with heroin or opiates is like if you go too long without using you get what's called dope sick and you go into withdrawal and it's like having the worst flu of your life times a hundred it it's an unbearable pain that i hope no one listening ever goes through but it it's hard to describe what it, how it actually feels. And so, like, when you're a heroin addict or an opiate addict, we don't know what Ryan's doing. I think he's doing heroin. Um, but the the game of being an opiate addict is that, like, your whole mind is, like, figuring out, like, when you need to use, you know, like, well, first of all, your first thing is figuring out, like, how to get as much as you need. And then once you have as much as you need, it's like figuring out how you'll get through the day. And so if you have your wedding, um, like you'll actually probably use right beforehand because then you'll know you'll Mm -hmm. be good for like three or four hours. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised. Like that's so basically what happens is like Mac like tells Ryan like we're going to like he has time today and he's like oh so we're doing it today and she's like yeah and he's like oh i have to go get my haircut and she's like what and he's like i need to go get my haircut and she's like you don't have time mm-hmm. to do that like you have to take a shower like you need to get changed he's like nope 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 gotta go get my haircut so i'm assuming what happened was that ryan was like he hears this and he knows like let's say it's like three o'clock in the afternoon then right and mm-hmm. macy's or max like okay so it's six we're getting married and really, he only had one dose left because he was planning on going maybe around six or seven to see his dealer. But now he has to go right now because he needs a full night's worth of shit because yeah. now he has wedding shit going on. Yeah. But I think but there's still oh, sorry. the element of like there's an underlying psychological thing of like, I can't actually be present for this. And yeah. that that's kind of, yeah, it's out there and it's a little more like, not it's not as tangible but i think there's still this element of like i am not like i can't be present yeah yeah i mean but i like i will say i think that's more of just like a whole lifelong thing like totally like you just like yes. can't be yes. present for life and i will say like so i think you're absolutely right but i i think that's like a subconscious thing um because like when you yeah like okay so in the 
In the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it describes when you wake up as the morning terror. And, like, I just think Uh that's, like, such, like, the perfect phrase. Because literally from the, like, as soon as your eyes open, you're like, okay, how much money, like, how much do I have left? How much money do I have? When am I going to be able to see my dealer? Like, how, like, you're just, like, from the moment you wake up, you're, like, planning. Like, you have to plan your whole day. And I really think what he was doing when he like ran off to get high was like he just didn't want to be sick but i think you're absolutely right like it says a lot that he was that fucking high before going to his mm-hmm. wedding yeah because that was really fucking high in my and maybe i'm shocked easily i can be naive about some of these things sometimes but i i was pretty fucking shocked yeah, I mean, Molly McAleer, like, texted me and was like, did he have a stroke? And I was like, no, Molly, like, he's just high. Um, and it, it is funny, though, because, like, I will say, I don't want this to sound like a brag, because in my mind, it's the literal opposite of a brag. But, like, I sometimes have to gauge, and I think a lot of people can relate to this if they have, like, a fucked up background. Like, when I'm watching something on TV, when Jesse was on, we discussed this, like, I had to be like, is this that bad? Like, is this bad? Like, because literally, mm-hmm. like, Mackenzie and Ryan in the car was me and my ex-boyfriend in 2000, like, 2009 to 2014 was, like, me and him in the car. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there were times where, like, I had to grab the wheel while he was driving, and, like, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but what, there were times when I drove probably as fucked up as Ryan was, because I just, like, wasn't, I like, I feel awful for it. But, like, I can't do anything to change the past. Like, I was in active addiction. I was not, like, clear-headed making choices, you know? And, um, like, so watching that scene was, like, for me, it was, like, mostly, like, holy shit, I can't believe they're playing this. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, like, it's hard, you know? Like, we'll get there with Farah, I think, and, like, Farah and Deb mm-hmm. with you. Um, oh, God. Because, like, with that stuff, I was, like, literally shocked. <laughs> And a lot of people are like, no, like, I did that with my mom. (laughs) So I think it's just one of those things. It's, like, hard. But, yeah, Mackenzie, I think, I mean, I just kept using the word impulsive to describe it. Yeah, and that's 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 a manic thing. And, like, you know where her priorities are because, like, she's, like, running off to get a dress. Like, that's not even the thing like that's not even if you're gonna have like a big lavish wedding in October or November or whatever why are you worried about this right now yeah I did find it strange that like she went and got a dress and just didn't wear like a dress that she liked like that she owned you know like totally I I did find that very strange and also like I was under the impression that wedding dresses like I mean I don't know if you've ever shot for a wedding dress I haven't but from my no. watching on TV, Are you kidding me? Uh, from Say Yes to the Dress, I was under the impression I do watch that. that wedding dresses came in like a couple sizes and you either were like a small, medium, large, and then they tailored it down to you. Like, mm-hmm. because when they try them on and Say Yes to the Dress, usually they're like a lot bigger and then they like clip it in the back. Yes. Or they're too, they're too yeah. small and they're, they don't zip up, but they'll add fabric or whatever. And then they order the dress, like... I was surprised that she, like, just, like, there was, like, a dress, like, perfectly in her size that fit her perfectly. Yeah, well, she seemed like she knew the person walking there. That's true. She said she would text her. 
Yeah, and so I don't know like a ton about Chattanooga, but I lived in Nashville for a year, and I what I do know of Chattanooga is it's like a tiny town with hardly any industry. Yeah. What's there is a university and a Volkswagen factory, and that's about it. So I think you know everyone probably knows each other. I don't think that's the same store Macy went to when she got her dress, but um, but they like hugged each other. So yeah. it tells me they may they may know each other. Yeah. I mean, talk about great advertising for the show. I mean, for the the store. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, like Mac walks in and she's like, "I need a dress," and it's like, "What?" Like, <laughs> she's like, "I'm in a rush." Yeah. I have to yeah. Do it right now. And it was just so. I just can't. I can't possibly understand why they did it the way that they did it I just I I just don't get it at all and I I feel like MTV did not do a good job of explaining it to us Mm-hmm. yeah because there's something they didn't want to tell us you know yeah exactly he was on the porch when they were talking about getting married he was like slurring his words like crazy and, like, I'm sorry, yeah. it was insane when he was, like, gotta go get a haircut, and he literally jumped out of his seat <laughs> and ran away. Yep. And he, and she was, like, screaming at him. Yeah, they were like fighting. Getting in the truck. Yeah. They were fighting. They were in a fight, like, the whole episode. But also Ryan was, like, in a deliriously good mood. Yeah. He has been. That's why I'm saying I kind of like him on drugs, like... Did you see how cute he was with the puppy? And this is a guy who, like, kills animals in his past? Yeah. Oh, I forgot <laughs> to mention, even before she went to the wedding dress, that's when we got, like, the please be advised warning. Right. Yeah, was, I was like, so weird and vague. about that. Yeah, I didn't know what they were going to show. Like, I didn't know if they were going to, like, Matt and Amber, you know? Yeah, or... yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, oh, God, did Amber beat up Matt again? Oh. Yeah, and then they went to this wedding scene, and I was like, oh, my God, or the store, and I was yeah. like, what is happening? Yeah, I'm also kind Trigger of warning that Mackenzie's, like, getting scenes on her own. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But, um, so they're back at Ryan's parents' house, and Ryan sees her in the dress, and he, like, was actually really nice and was like, you look so beautiful. Like, they seem yeah. happy. They get in the car, and Ryan was like, I want to go to TJ Maxx to get a bow tie. And she's like, our wedding was at six o'clock and it's six ten. Like we don't have time. And then we see him kind of like lean back in his seat. And she's like, why are you swerving? And he's like, he said, my eyes, baby, in the sunlight, I can't keep them open. And she has like a lot of, she's like a grimace on her face. Yeah, and she had that earlier when he went to go get the haircut. Like, she wears it all on her face. Yeah. She cannot hide it. Yeah, she's no Macy. No. <laughs> so I notice then after he says that, Matt Mackenzie, like, reaches over and grips his knee. Um, Like, she, mm-hmm. like, like, this is so silly. My dad used to call, like, grabbing right above your kneecap a Schmolzenheimer. Um <laughs> silliest thing does that mean with passion i don't know like when you grab someone like right above their kneecap and it kind of makes your leg like reflex it's like i don't know he did it as a funny thing and he would yell like schmolzenheimer while he was driving and reaching the back seat (laughs) and like grab your grab right above your kneecap um and so Mackenzie did what my family would call a schmolzenheimer um (laughs) 
my dad's like incredible at doing it and can do it without looking and like captures you totally <laughs> off guard. Is that a Yiddish word you made no, up? No, my my dad is not Jewish. I don't know. It sounds Yiddish, doesn't it? it? Oh, it's your mom. Yeah, my mom. My mom's the Jewish one. My dad is like oh, Mayflower okay. wasp. Oh, I thought it was the opposite for some reason. Okay, that makes more sense. No, baby girl, I got that bloodline. Don't you worry about it. No, God, good for you. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, so yeah, Macy or. Mackenzie basically does a Schmaltzenheimer to Ryan, like to get him to like wake <laughs> up, and um, like right after that, Ryan does like a com- like but, he, complete- okay, but he falls out, like he does a complete not out. Yeah, but Mackenzie seemed genuinely shocked in that moment as she did. well. I agree. So I'm so she must have been she must have not known what before they left that he had just taken something yes or was she, or was she just in hardcore denial i want to like defend me or mackenzie a little bit right here so before okay. i was a heroin addict i was with my ex-boyfriend for a long time and he was a heroin addict and like i knew from the beginning but he would like get sober i'm using like quotation marks and when you are like in this relationship with someone and you're with them all the time like, I know this sounds, you would think if you're with someone all the time, it's, like, easier to spot it. But sometimes I think it's harder. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, like, like my ex-boyfriend, like, convinced me of the craziest shit because it wasn't that hard to convince me. You know, like, I was making a conscious choice to believe him. And so, uh-huh. like, for us, it's, like, how could she not know he was fucked up? Like, you know, they were sitting on the porch and, like, we obviously knew he was fucked up. But I wonder if, like, he goes up and down so much that, like, she has – it's hard for her to tell. And also, like, I, you can make yourself believe a lot of crazy shit. <laughs> like, and I I think she was just, like, so in denial. And I also think, like, she, like, had an expectation that he'd be able to hold it together when the cameras are there, when they're driving on the way to their wedding. And I think she was just, like, so caught off guard. I know a lot of people are saying she was mad at him for, like, doing it in front of the cameras. But I think Mackenzie is, like, kind of a classic enabler, you know? And I think she's, like, sick. Like, I think she's, like, sick with codependency. Like, beyond whatever... Probably. What other shit she has going on. And I think she was genuinely shocked... Maybe, like, not at him being fucked up, but the level at which he was fucked up. Yes, and we, like, she's so young, and so you have to give her some benefit of the doubt just in the fact that she's so young. She might look back on this in 10 years and just go, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah. You know, her brain's not fully developed. I mean, there's so many things with this. Yeah, and, you know she has issues like she was forced basically forced by her family to marry a guy at 16 you know like she had a kid at 16 like we know we see like that causes trauma (laughs) and Mm -hmm. then like she obviously has like some relationship and codependency issues if she's married within a year of getting divorced and she's 20 um you know and her family was like on fucking board with it like, when her parent, when her mom last episode, when her mom was with Jen and Larry, and she was like, we just love Ryan so much. And it's like, wouldn't you think, like, Ryan's 28 or 29, by the way. I think he's my age. Like, wouldn't you be like, 
uh, worried that your 20-year-old daughter, who's literally just gotten a divorce, is already engaged to a 29-year-old, like, months after, yeah, I can months tell after you, a divorce? Yes. And, like, I'm just can compare it. My parents, like, don't give a shit about who I date, but even they would be like, "What? what is his job, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, or... Like, what, they would be concerned. Or just slow down. Like, learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Like, this wet, this marriage you had at 16, like, was a fuck-up on all of us. <laughs> and, like, we shouldn't have pushed it to happen. Like, slow down, come live with us. Like, we'll help you take care of your son. Like, you don't need to rush into a relationship with this guy that's 10 years older than you. Right. But they just want her, like, off their hands, probably. Yeah, I like, think so. You know? Yeah. Um, so in the car scene, we see, we see Ryan, like, do a full nod out. Like, mm-hmm. full-blown, like, leans back into a seat. His head, like, rolls back. I'm wondering if maybe Ryan did too much by accident because he was anticipating being out of the house for a while and probably figured, mm-hmm. like, they were, go- like, going to the chapel, you know, going to get married. And then yeah. Jen and Larry were there, so I'm sure they went to dinner afterwards you know what I mean? And he probably, like, maybe overcompensated. That's also another thing, like, this in this, like, game that you play to keep yourself not sick. Like, you also have to figure out how much you have to do. And sometimes you fuck up. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I wouldn't have thought of that on my own without you. <laughs> and Mackenzie's just, like, hitting him. Yes. She smacks him in the arm, like, oh, my God. And he does the creepiest And then grabs the wheel. He's like, we're getting married. We're getting married. And then literally, like, nods out. Yeah. And then he went on, like, a word salad type of tangent about something. And I don't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. I wrote it down. He said, I just thought about it, but I can't rethink about it. Oh, yeah. I can't rethink about it. Oh, because he brought up the bachelor. He said you know, it'd be good for our bachelor party. And she was like, what? And then he's like, I just, I just, I I just thought about it, but I just, I just can't rethink about it. (laughs) Oh my God. So yeah, I, yeah. The creepiest was like him singing that song and then nodding out like a second later. Yeah. Yeah. But they make it there eventually. <laughs> yeah. So Mackenzie then is like, she starts to turn off the GoPros. And he's like, oh, you're going to turn off the cameras? And she's like, yeah. And here's where Mackenzie's getting a lot of slack. And you know what? She deserves it. Like, she deserves it. Mackenzie fucked up. Um, Ryan obviously fucked up number one. But Mackenzie was fuck up number two. And um, just mm-hmm. because she has issues, clear issues, and she's 20 and, like, it's not that fucking easy in this situation. I've been there. I know it's not that easy, but I also know I was wrong. And, you know, Mackenzie's getting villainized. And I don't think she should be villainized for this. But, like, the fact is she made the wrong choice. And she sh- didn't make Ryan pull over, which she clearly should have. Because she clearly saw that he was not okay to drive. And I think the fandom is, like, really fucking pissed that she turned off the cameras. So she, like, she knew something was not right. You know what I mean? Like... Turning off the cameras, like, indicates, like, I don't want MTV to see this. I don't want everybody to see this. But yeah, she didn't she didn't care enough to make him pull over. And I think that's a very fair criticism. But I do just want to remind people, like, when you're in this situation like that, like, you know, 
I know I've made almost literally that exact mistake. And I know a lot of us have made mistakes similar um, where we just like in the heat of the moment with our significant other that we already have like a weird relationship going on. We made the wrong choice. Yeah. And do you think that she could have at that point, they could have switched seats and they didn't show it because they she turned the cameras off or they Absolutely, but they would have probably had the audio still going though, right? Yeah. Although, I mean, let's be real. Like MTV puts up that fucking please be advised thing, but is it a good story if Mackenzie then makes and pulls over and she drives? I guess not. But here's also what I'm wondering. So she says, "Did you take a Xanax?" And he says, no, I don't have any. And I'm wondering if she really doesn't know much about drugs That's and stuff. And he probably said, I have a prescription for, for Xanax for anxiety. It makes me really tired. And well, he's kind of like. I would bet she's caught him high before. So this is also another thing. Like when you're like a heroin addict, like you don't admit to people you're a heroin addict, right? Like it's not something you want sure. to talk about. But, like, what you will do is if you get caught being high, you tell people you took too much Xanax. Because, like, uh-huh. like everybody can, like, mentally be like, oh, okay, you took too much Xanax. Like, I'll accept that. But, like, what you won't accept is heroin. It's almost like if someone told you they did crack, you'd be like, what? But if they do coke, you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> coke. Okay. Like, that's normal. It's like that socially acceptable line that doesn't make actually any sense and it is usually really like wrapped up in stigma and class issues and racism and all the bad you know all the societal impacts but when you're even like when this is so silly but like when I asked my dad to take me to rehab and he asked what I was on I told him opiates like even Mm, though I was doing mm -hmm. heroin because I just like couldn't say the word heroin out loud to him I was like I'm on opiates and like a little later like I think even in the car ride, like, he straight up asked me, like, if I was doing heroin, and I said yes. But, like, I was, like, literally, like, swung open the door to our house and, like, yelled for him and was like, you need to take me to the hospital. I'm detoxing from opiates. Like, I couldn't bring myself to say heroin. Yeah. Because it's such, like, a dirty word, and, like, it's not socially acceptable where it is, like, okay, I mean, like, all the rappers are rapping about it. You know what I, it's just, like... You can say, like, Xanax. Like, it's in every fucking song. It's super popular right now. Like, it's a party drug now, which is, like, crazy. So much has changed in just, like, five years drug-wise. How do you party on Xanax? um, I mean, I used to do it. You just get real fucked up. But I know it's crazy. Well, you know, I call it the modern-day Judy Garland, the alcohol benzo uh, (laughs) Adderall. Oh, my. Oh, the Adderall. Yeah. Yeah. So for everybody not in our Facebook group, I called a mix of Adderall, uh, a benzo, usually Xanax and alcohol to be the modern day Judy, because like (laughs) Judy Garland was basically on a cocktail like that and was quite famous for it. You know, dolls to keep you up, dolls to put you down. And um, like, so you can party on it like that. But basically, like, I wouldn't be surprised. So if in the past, you know, in the year that they've been together, whatever, hadn't even been a year, like the nine months, she had found him fucked up, maybe passed out, maybe being like unresponsive, maybe he passed out in the middle of dinner. And yeah, she told him like, I have a script or like I got him from friends and she like believed it. 
You know what? Now that you're, I'm having like a flashback. My brother-in-law used to nod out when you were just talking to him and he would just say that he had narcolepsy. What? <laughs> I mean, maybe, but probably not, hon. No, no, no. He was definitely on, um, on pain pills and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, um, but, but like, I think my sister would believe him and I would believe it cause I didn't know any better at the time. And but, cause you um, wanted to, you didn't want to believe that he was yeah. on pills. Yeah. So yeah, I really like, I remember my ex-boyfriend would do that to me and like, I would believe it too, because it's just, it's so much easier to believe your fiance took too much Xanax a couple times than to believe he's a fucking heroin addict. Totally. Because then you don't have to deal with it. You know, like Xanax, like taking too much Xanax occasionally is just something that happens. <laughs> like, I know that sounds yeah, crazy, also- but you can tell yourself like, this is, he just got out of control a few times. But, like, as soon as you realize, like, my fiancé's doing heroin, like, then he has to go to rehab. Right. And speaking it, speaking the word, they ha- the words have so much power that you it's, like, real once you've spoken it. Yeah. So when she says, like, did you take a Xanax? Like, I would bet this is something that's happened a couple times. Probably not an outrageous amount of times. Um, also, like, where Mackenzie is, like... I don't mean this in a gold digger way. I mean this in a 20-year-old way. Like, all of a sudden, like, she gets this guy that's making teen mom money. And, I mean, I'm sure he spends a lot of it on drugs. But they have a nice house, nice cars. Remember, she was like, well, I bought him all these Ralph Lauren clothes. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, she has a son. The son's probably now in, like, nice clothes. Like, I bet her and her ex are, like, living in a two-bedroom. You know what I mean? And now her and Ryan have a house. And I think she was, she's caught up in it. And I don't mean that, like, I think she's a gold digger, which I've seen a lot, or she's, like, chasing the teen mom money. Like, I don't think Mackenzie's evil, you know? Like, I don't think Mackenzie's malicious. I think she's young. I think she's super impulsive, like, beyond impulsive. And I think she's a fucking codependent enabler, (laughs) Yeah, and I think you're right because Ryan lived with his parents up until he met her. And now I'm thinking he must have lived with his parents this long so he could spend all his money on drugs and not rent and being an adult. Yeah, and also, like, let's be real. Mackenzie was his way to move out of Jen and Larry's and not have to give up Jen. Yeah. And the comforts of Jen. Yeah. Because now Mackenzie yes. just does everything that Jen does for him. She cooks all his meals. She oh, buys boy. his clothes. She cleans the house. She takes care of Bentley. You know, like... I mean, Ryan lived at home for so long because, of like, who wouldn't want to live with Jen Edwards? Yeah, I know. I want a wife or a mom. Oh, so I need a wife or a husband that cooks so badly. (laughs) Yeah. So badly. So I really, I think they kind of were using each other. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, we would call those in the biz, like, a transitional object. You know, like um, Mackenzie's the new mother object. Ryan's the new whatever object Mackenzie needs. Yeah, the new control. Because she's like said like, oh, I'm a control freak. And I'm like, yeah, that checks. So is every other enabler. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we see them like they get to the the what's it called? The not the chapel, but, you know, the chapel. The park? Yeah, no. Oh, she said it was at the aquarium. Like, on, I think on a river. I don't know what river that is, because I don't know Tennessee geography. But I think there's a river in Chattanooga. And, um... Yeah, there is. 
Oh, and by the way, we forgot to mention that Ryan swore on Bentley's life that he didn't take Xanax, which is probably true. Oh, yeah. I mean, he probably <laughs> didn't take Xanax. <laughs> he didn't say I didn't slam dope, but, you know, like... Uh... Oh my god. Yeah, you're right. He did say that. Yeah. Also there are some se- there are some pictures floating around of what looked to be a track mark in his leg and his uh hand. And like people huh. are really shocked by that. And I think this goes back to my <clears throat> thing of like being a little numb to it all because like to me, yeah, he went to rehab in two thousand twelve for Roxycontin, like of course he's shooting up. Like that that's how it goes. Like that's how opiate yeah. addiction goes. Like, I went to rehab before I started shooting up, but that's only because I went to rehab eight months after I started using. Like, I know I wasn't going to stay. It's this whole long thing. I shot up once. I didn't really like it. It's just, it's graphic and gross. I can't get into it. But I wasn't going to stay for, like, an extended period of time just snorting it. You know what I mean? That nobody does. Like, everybody turns to the needle. That's what happens. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, so we get to the wedding and Jen and Larry are there and Jen is hysterically crying. Oh my God. (laughs) It's funny though. I was laughing, which is like maybe cold hearted. No, it's funny because it's just, she's just so, I don't isn't the right word, but sensitive and. I think Jen had a real moment of clarity actually is why she was sobbing okay i think one i think she was getting a glimpse of what Mackenzie maybe really is um i think she thought Mackenzie was like gonna take care of ryan in her place and i think she got a sense that Mackenzie was a little more out for herself than she thought she was okay um yeah i think maybe she realized how high ryan was and basically what made her start sobbing was that larry was like well is Bentley coming? And Ryan was like, no, Bentley's not coming. And Larry's like, are you going to tell him? And Mackenzie was like, we're not. And Ryan was like, well, if he finds out, we'll sit him down and tell him. And like, I, I guess I understand like their wedding was going to be November 18th or whatever. And like, that would just be their, his wedding for Bentley. Like, and I, I mean, I assume they just didn't want to tell him cause they didn't want Macy to find out. <laughs> Yeah, unless, yeah, I don't know why they would have gone that route, honestly. And also, like, from just a trauma kind of stand, like, I don't know, imagine being a little kid, and then the next time you see your dad, it's like, he's married, you know, not, kids don't like that, Yeah, not being in on it. Like, I can understand the idea of, like, we're just going to, at the November wedding, pretend like this is our first time getting married. Um. And so, like, we don't, he doesn't need to know because we're not going to be telling people. But, like, you're filming it. So, it's going to come out before the November wedding. Mm -hmm. And it's a small town? Yeah. 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 Exactly. And so, I think Jen, okay. So, I think Jen has always been waiting. I think she thinks Ryan's a good dad that just hasn't stepped up to the plate yet. But inside of him is a good dad just waiting to get out. And until then, she's going to do all the heavy lifting. But but Ryan will get there one day. You know, I mean, I think she's, like, in total denial that Bentley's already eight years old. And he doesn't have that much fucking time left to get there. But, like, I think Jen loves her son and sees him as a genuinely good person. And, like, I think 
all in her eyes, all the mistakes Ryan has made, and I'm using mistakes in quotes because a lot of them aren't mistakes, they're like active choices, are like forgivable things that can be fixed, you know? And it's like no big deal. Like Bentley is too, he either like he's too young and he won't remember, or like it's fine, we're picking up the slack. So Bent Ryan's around, it's fine. But I think the wedding might have been a moment of Jen, like, realizing how shitty of a dad Ryan is. Because you cannot take a fucking wedding back. Yeah. Yes. And she was, like, on one. I mean, she just, she couldn't help herself. Yeah, she was sobbing. And he was trying to calm her down. And he was being weird. Yeah. To me. Well, he was like, it it doesn't matter who's, he's like, the people, it doesn't matter if there's only two people here. And Jen was like, but the important people are here. Yeah. And then what did he say? He said, give me a kiss. Yeah. And they kissed on the lips twice. Yeah. But then he said, give me, then he said, no, a better kiss. And then they like had a real, like, it was that... To me, that was, like, shocking, and maybe this is coming from a person who's not close with their family. (laughs) But (laughs) I was like, whoa. And then I saw this, like, Twitter meme say, like, with that picture thing, I now pronounce you husband and mom or something. (laughs) So I thought it was, like, honestly, like, a little selfish of Jen to, like, lose it there. Like. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yes, exactly. Selfish. And Mackenzie was pissed. Mm -hmm. Mackenzie was not pleased. (laughs) Yeah, it was supposed to be Mackenzie's moment. Yeah. And I I did think it was funny because I think that's going to be their dynamic for the rest of their lives that Mackenzie's in the picture. I think Jen and Mackenzie are going to be having a Ryan power struggle forever. That makes sense. Because that makes sense. I, Jen has to let go. Yeah, she has to. Jen needs like a get a foster kid. Like, well, she needs like adopt she needs a therapist. Dog. Yeah. Yes, and she needs a puppy. Yeah. You know? Or like new yeah. hobbies. She needs to volunteer somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, she needs something because Ryan. Like, but you can tell. Like I, but I really do think Jen was having a mo. Like I don't think she meant to like break down like that um i do think she likes to make it about her and that she'll have a power struggle with Mackenzie or whatever wife ryan has but like i really think jen was just having a moment of like my son is a total asshole and this woman that i (laughs) thought was like really supportive and good for him actually is not yeah and yeah and that's her only kid she doesn't get another chance yeah at this and like i would be if i was jen and me as a person like i i've been trying not to go too hard at mackenzie but like i if i was jen and like i think i'd be disgusted at mackenzie as well that she was willing to get married without bentley and her son like i think jen was just having a moment of like who the fuck are these people right yeah exactly and so she's not wrong she's just dramatic yeah 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 so so then they're like that priest guy shows up and he looks just like um he looks just like the singer from 
Quiet Riot, who's the brother of Dr. Terry, Terry Dubrow. Dubrow. Do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, babe. I know just who you're talking about. I don't know his name, but I know he's the brother of Terry Dubrow. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember his name. My either, rock but... star, Dr. Terry Dubrow. <laughs> he was on Dr. Drew's podcast with Bob Forrest this week or last week. Was it good? No. It's never good. <laughs> Because, no, it was just an opportunity for Bob Forrest to talk about music. Ugh. No, thank you. <laughs> I don't like Bob Forrest. Like Neither him. do I. I really don't like him. Um, so, Ryan, like, oh, by the way, can we discuss, like, Larry was, like, 100% on board. <laughs> Larry was hyped. Yeah. I think Larry's fine. He's yeah. fine with it. I think Larry was like, now Ryan can't come back home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm done with you. Move along. Yeah. Yeah, like fine like <laughs> now I think I think Larry really sees this as an opportunity for Jen to like stop babying Ryan because now Mackenzie will do it. Yeah, or for him to get his back. I mean, I don't know what kind of relationship they have, but Well, they don't sleep you know, in the same bed. Have... Oh, they don't? No, because Bentley sleeps with Mimi. Oh, Oh yeah, gross. So where and they didn't this. say like with Mimi and I don't know what they call. That's so weird. I know he calls them Mimi Jen, but I don't know what they call Larry. But like they didn't say like he didn't say like with Jen and Larry. They said with Mimi. No. I wonder God. if Larry gets drunk and pees the bed. <laughs> Larry drinks. <laughs> Larry, I think Larry's an alcoholic. By the way. Oh. Oh my god. That would explain a lot, don't you think? Yeah, he yes. Yes. Um so that was like But he doesn't he doesn't seem belligerent. Like he no, seems like he, he gets maybe just detached. He drinks 12 beers a night. It's fine. There he doesn't have a problem. Yeah. yeah. There there's no issue with drinking a 12 rack a night. Don't worry about it. We're fine. Yeah. No, and he can stop anytime he wants. Yeah, he just doesn't want to. He just likes to drink 12 <laughs> beers a night, 12 to 24 if it's a Friday. Yeah. Um. So at one point, like, Ryan kind of, like, rocked backwards. And, like, I thought he was literally going to, as we call it, fall out. Like, <laughs> I, like, was, like, uh, what, like, falling out is, like, you you just collapse. It usually happens, like, shortly after you shoot up, but it can happen after and I, like, really, when he, like, rocked, it was, like, the tiniest little motion, but I was, like, oh, shit. Yeah, but he, and also it was hard to tell because he kept his sunglasses on and you couldn't see his eyes. Yeah. And uh, Mackenzie looked over the moon happy and was, like, squealing. And it was, like, are you fucking kidding me? Her priorities are off, man. Her priorities are off. She is one of those women, girls, who, like, just wants to be married. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, like, you would think after, you know, fighting all day with your fiancé, having to turn off the GoPros because he's so high that he can't drive, and then his mother is hysterically crying at the ceremony, that you wouldn't be squealing with joy over your marriage. No. I know. After what just happened, it's insane to me. I do not understand. I'll never understand. But there they are. And now they're husband and wife. So, 
congrats to the Edwards. Yeah, and I will point out one thing. When Ryan was saying his vows, he was looking at the um, Dr. Dubrow's brother, Priest, <laughs> and not at Mackenzie. And when Mackenzie was saying her vows, she was looking at Ryan. So I just want everyone to know where the eye contact was. That, that's that, you know, I love a body language, uh, like a body language analysis. Yeah, I'm here for it. So, yeah, that was, like, a fucking crazy episode. For Oh, and at one point we totally skipped over this. Macy talked to the, the substance abuse counselor. Oh, and yeah. And I, like, I don't know. I just, I understand it's team mom, so they have to include the Macy segments. But, like, I didn't care about them at all this week. I didn't either. Yeah, no. And he was just like, you have to set a boundary and stop enabling. Okay, bye. Yeah. Oh, but one thing I did want to talk about. So she was like, well, if Ryan doesn't get help, like, I'm going to have to keep Bentley. And, like, I just want to say, like, it's not going to be that easy for her to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. if they go to court, like, at most, Ryan will get supervised visits. And they're going to be supervised by Jen. Totally. Yep. Um, I think she, like, thinks it's going to be a lot easier than it is (laughs) to just, like, withhold Bentley from Ryan. Yeah, well, she doesn't know shit. Yeah, because they haven't had to. Exactly. But I yep. do, like, I do think Macy just genuinely wants to protect Bentley. Like, I don't, I, yes, like, I think that there's a control thing here, but I don't mean that in, like, a, a disparaging way. You know what I mean? I think that's just, like, a character defect of hers is control. Um, but, like, I do think she, like, genuinely cares about Ryan and really cares about Bentley and really loves Bentley and really wants to protect Bentley. I do think that. I do, too. And whatever, for whatever reason, she can't, like, show emotion. But out of all the, out of all the OG teen moms, she's the smartest. So yeah. she wins. Macy, you win by default. Honestly, out of all of the moms on all the series, like, I feel like Macy has always been the one that's shown the most, like, maternal love to her, to Bentley. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe, yeah, like, Chelsea, probably Chelsea and Aubrey would be second, but, like, she has always loved Bentley, and there's, like, never been ever a second in my mind where I question that. No, and in, in Bentley, like, made her want to have more kids. Like, he really expanded her yeah. as, like, a, a person. I yes. agree. Um, so I do think, mm-hmm. like, she really wants to protect Bentley. So I want to go down to Key West... Ooh. Which is like, I don't know if you guys have been to Key West. It's like not very nice. Like, <laughs> Key West is like not, there's such nicer places in the Keys. Like, if you're going to stay in a house, like, I don't know why you would ever pick Key West. It doesn't make any sense to me. You go spend like a day in Key it, West, but you don't do your whole vacation there. It's crazy. Um, So, the first voiceover is Farah's. It's bothering me that my mom's fiance isn't getting to know me better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so other than just for the show, why were they even on this vacation? Because I kept wondering that the whole time. Why would they even all be on a a vacation together? Just for the show. Because they're in season seven or whatever, so MTV is paying for multiple vacations a season. Oh boy! But I mean, it was, it was on the show. It was to bond, and I'm using quotation marks right. there. Right. 
well, this is this proves a very difficult bonding time. And it's just like how many fucking times we've been seeing this since season one of like Deb and Farrah trying to bond. It never works. It's never gonna work ever. Farrah will never change. Deborah, I don't know. I doubt it. But like someone on the Facebook group said something about Farrah and ther- and going to therapy. Like she needs a real therapist and not like a TV therapy. And I told the person it won't matter. It just won't matter. I don't think she's capable really. Damn. I mean, yeah, it's her personality disorder. Yeah. When some personality disorders, there's room to like get in there somewhere, but with her, like, I really think if it could happen, it would take years and years and years. Yeah. I mean, that I agree with. And I think there's a reason that she doesn't do therapy. And it's mm-hmm. because she doesn't have any interest in changing. No. Because what's wrong with her? Like, that's the thing with narcissists. is like, how do you tell a narcissist they're a narcissist? It doesn't matter. They won't care. They're not going to think anything's wrong with that. You yeah. know? And she's been, like, <clears throat> she's been saying for years, like, and she does it in this episode, that she's not the problem. It's the way everybody else is acting. Yeah, Liz, she just needs positivity and not to be around all this negativity and everything will be beautiful. (laughs) That was good. Um, And I mean, even (laughs) the sentence where it says, it's bothering me that my mom's fiance isn't getting to know me better. Like, it's just Um, like, it's all about her. Well, yeah. And so on some level, she acts like she wants his approval. And but then he gives her an olive branch and then she's like his behavior is weird yeah yeah and like he is weird like this is no absolutely one of those things i just want to like put a disclaimer out there like dr david is fucking weird he's inappropriate he's bizarre he he's just fucking weird he's a weirdo and yes and you have to question what kind of person would be with dad or man would would want to get involved with that family at all yeah yeah absolutely agree um so but i just thought it would like like i don't know i feel like if i was voicing over that scene i would say like it's really upsetting me that david and i haven't been getting along or like it's (laughs) like like it's upsetting me that i feel like david's been really closed off closed off or but just like something about even the way she like presents their fight is like all about me of course yes because it is sarah's world and we all just live in it didn't even deborah say that at some point yeah i think so so they all go (laughs) kayaking which david doesn't want to do and like like i kind of get it david's just like not on board for like the team mom activities He's like, I don't want to go go karting. Like, and I don't blame him. Like, he doesn't want to go kayaking. I know, and that's that's why I'm surprised he even agreed to this to yeah. go on this. Yeah, he's like, I just want to watch the golf channel and like be in silence. Like, <laughs> leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> um, and I did notice when they went kayaking, like Deb was carrying Sophia like a baby. Oh, and I feel like she's eight. And it's, like, getting, I feel like at eight, like, you're getting a little bit old to be carried around. Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. 
I think at four, you're a little bit bit like you're big for a stroller, right? Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, yeah, of course, like occasionally, but I just like, they just treat her like, like a fucking baby. Um, yes. So that's like the most upsetting part to me. So they go kayaking. It's fine. It's cute. It's like classic reality TV show activity that I don't give one fuck about watching. I, it's like my least favorite thing in reality TV when we had to watch them like do activities. Yeah, it doesn't get good until they go to the nail salon. Yeah, well, and, like, when they're, like, like I don't care to, like, watch people go, like, last week they went go-karting. Like, no one goes go-karting. That's not, like, a real thing that you do. At least kayaking mm-hmm. on vacation is, like, a real thing. But, I don't know, I just don't care to see, like, these pre-planned activities, basically. Yeah, you only do that stuff on one of those dating shows that they used to have, like, in the early 2000s. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so after they go kayaking, David is like talking to someone about something, and uh, Farah and Deb both start yelling, "David, David, David!" And he's like kind of ignoring them, and Farah's like getting more angry. And I'm like, he's trying to have a fucking conversation, like. But Farah wants pictures, and she wants them now. David, did you take pictures? Yeah, and Deb was doing it, and too. Like, and then she was like... I know. He, she was like, he's just trying to stay out of your way, Farah. And I'm like, I think he's just trying to have a fucking conversation with someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Farah was like, why is he over there, like, talking to the bushes or something? Yeah, she said, why is he talking to a wall? I'm like, there's a lady standing with him. <laughs> Oh, but she only sees what she wants to see. Yeah, so. and Deb played right into it. She did. She was yeah. like, well, he's over and, there because he doesn't want to be around you. He wants to keep his distance to avoid conflict or whatever she said. Which, of course, is yeah. going to upset Farah and piss off Farah. When Deb should have just been like, no, Farah, he's in the middle of conversation with that lady. He'll talk to you afterwards. I know. And then it totally gave Farah the, like, what conflict are you talking about, Mom? I'm just here being positive and... Like, Exactly. It's like, it's what kills me because like, Farrah is so fucked up and Deb, like just the the way the two of them interact is just so insane. It's just so insane. So I want to hear your theory about how you think Deb like shows, I mean, you're not diagnosing anybody, like obviously, but just based on the characters that they play on TV, right? Like it's basically like when you say like, they seem like they have this or this, it's like, we're talking about the edited characters that we see on TV. Not like you're not diagnosing a patient you've never had, but yeah, your thing is that right. Deb has that disclaimer. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, because you know, whenever this happens, people are like, Dr. Drew shouldn't diagnose people. And like, that's probably true. And like, you're not coming on here to diagnose anyone. You're like observing how they act on TV. Like, you don't fucking know what anybody's diagnosis is. Right. And I don't know. I started to wonder after hearing Farah on Dr. Drew's podcast, I start to wonder now how much she's acting or like putting it on, you know, yeah. for the cameras. So I don't know. I'm I always, to... I always, always, always say to me, her being willing to put that on in her name as a reality character says a lot about her behavior. <laughs> Yeah. No, it does. You're right. And yeah, but just going off of what she and Deborah have been giving us for the last 10 years or however long we've known them. Um, so they, Farah and Deborah fit perfectly together. And by perfect, I mean, not at all. Mm -hmm. Like they have exactly what 
triggers the other person. And it's so hard to know what of that is like learned environment and what, you know, would be biological or passed down or, you know, who knows. Um, And they both kind of hover in this cluster B um, uh, situation and nothing's very linear. I mean, they can, all the cluster B diagnoses can kind of bleed into each other. But to me, it's Deborah that exhibits more of the borderline behaviors mm-hmm. and Farah that exhibits more of the narcissistic um, behaviors. So I guess what that means is, so both are attention seeking, but kind of in different ways. Because, you know, a narcissist just, like, can never be wrong and can never be criticized um, and all of that. But a borderline kind of wants attention for any reason, and it could be negative. Mm -hmm. You know, like wanting to die or, like, look, I slit my wrist, look what you made me do kind of thing. Yeah, when you pointed that out, I was like, oh, that's exactly it. And I remember the example that you had used is, like, Deb is like constantly trying to like mold herself to what Pharaoh wants, but like in like mm-hmm. a really fucked up not to what Pharaoh wants, but like to what fair like copycat fair basically. Like Yes, because they lack if you yeah, if you have the borderline trait where you kind of lack your own identity and you kind of glom on to other people's and Deb has done that by very clearly becoming Deb O. G. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is Farrah's thing, really. Yeah, I can't imagine Deborah was even on board with it in the beginning, like for 16 and pregnant. Um, but now she's kind of glommed onto it. She's seen, you know, kind of the fame, I guess, and the money. And she's on a constant quest for Farah's approval. Farah will never give Deborah her approval. And that's what I mean by like they go perfectly together, but not yeah. at all, because Deborah's never going to stop trying. Yeah. And is there anything? And Farah else- loves the loves it and i was gonna say is there anything worse to a narcissist than someone who's like constantly jockeying for attention like in your space yeah yeah exactly exactly and and farah like it's not even that she needs to be the center of attention it's that she can't be wrong she can't be criticized you know it's just it's great. It's it's a crazy combo. Crazy combo. And Sarah's also a little sadistic. Like, she oh, likes well, kind of... Here's her, my theory, her. is that she won't uh, cut out Deb and Micra because she... Deb and Michael, because she's, like, getting... She gets high off of punishing them. Oh, yeah. And I've told this to Mona before, like, on our podcast. Like, Deborah has to draw... The only way for this to end is actually for Deborah to cut Sarah off. Interesting. And I, I don't think she'll ever get that, you know, unless Deborah got some deep, deep, deep therapy. I mean, Liz, if anyone treated you that way, would you keep going back for more? No, of course not. And it, I mean, the even, same could be even said your for daughter, both of them. You know what I mean? But especially Deb, who just gets like berated. Yeah. But it's because no. they have Farah and Deb have such a unique family dynamic going on. Because clearly Deb held all the power when Farrah was a child because Deb was the adult and Farrah was the child. And yeah, like a Mm -hmm. mother-daughter power dynamics, like those are always there. But now they're in this weird situation where Farrah holds the money and the power. And if Farrah cuts off Deb, Mm -hmm. she's off the show. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's really rare in a family where like there's just like a total shift of power dynamics. 
Yes. And I don't think growing up, Farah ever got her emotions validated. I think Deborah probably always said, no, Farah, you're wrong. Yeah. You're doing it wrong. You're not getting it. This is not how it is. And you need to pray. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I talked about this when I was on the smush room with Troy and how like Farah's always saying things like how, I mean, I did this impression of her where Farah could be like, where Farrah could, like, tell you that the sky is green. And she'd be like, I don't know what the sky is in your world, but in my world, it is green. And it is a positive green sky. And my daughter and I, like, we see a green sky. And if you don't see a green sky, like, that's fine. But in my world, it's green. Okay? Okay? Okay. Bye. <laughs> like, yes. and I think it's because growing up, yes. like, she would say stuff to Deb, like, I think they lived this weird, like, double life because they were very religious. And I bet it would be like, Deb would be like, well, Christians don't drink. And then she'd be like, but you drink. And she'd be like, no, I don't. Yeah, I remember you saying that. And I, yes, nodding along, of course. When Derek died, like, they just, like, pretended like he never lived. Like, it was like, great, now we don't have to worry about that. They erased him. They totally erased him. They totally erased him. So riddle me this. So I think, like, the reality – so Farrah's going to be awful either way, but the reality of her losing Deb to David and David, like, there could be a point in time in which David says to Deborah, mm, you have I, to cut Farrah off, I never right? fucking thought of that, and I think that – ooh, Rachel, Rachel! I think she's so, – I think that's so fucking true. She sees David taking control of Deb, and yeah. she needs so to even control the, Deb. Yes, and even if it's on a very unconscious level right now, on a primal level, she is acting out, you know, in that way because if she loses Deborah and she doesn't have that um, spider web wrapped around her, like, she kind of loses her identity a little bit. Uh, I think she absolutely loses her identity because I think her whole life, her identity has been, like, who I am in comparison to my abusive mother. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think yeah. a lot of us can fucking relate to that. And it's, like, who do you become? I know when, like, my parents got sober and, like, my dad went on medication and, like, they became totally different people, I spiraled. Because I was, mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? Like, and they would, like, try and parent me and I'd be, like, uh, you're about 20. Because my parents got sober when I was 19. And that's when my dad also got medicated for his bipolar disorder. And um, it was, like... All of a sudden, I had these two completely different parents, and I had no idea what to do with it because a lot of my identity was wrapped up in being, like, a victim of abuse. And now, all of a sudden, like, my parents weren't abusing me anymore. Yeah, and sometimes you have to, like, let go of it. I mean, at some point, you have to go, okay, that all happened. And I have to move on with my fucking life yeah. so I can have an enjoyable life. Which I and did Farrah, through, like, you know, yeah, I did through EMDR therapy and then working the 12 steps. But Farah is, like, but still But do you very... realize that, yeah, some people don't ever do that or yeah. they it doesn't happen until they're 40, you know, or I mean, 50. Yeah, I'm working with someone now who's 40 and hasn't even thought about this yet. And I just put the idea in her mind, you know, like, it's time to let go of all of this. Yeah. And I think, um, like, I don't, I think you're... I never thought of it that, like, 
Thera is scared of the influence that David has on Deb. Not because she's worried about Deb. Not, and, like, she keeps saying it, like, how they're not serious and how David's not serious. And, like, so what's your serious... Re- you know, like, she keeps, like, harping on this fact that they're not in a serious relationship. And I really... I think you're so right because if... If Farrah isn't Deb's abused daughter, then who is she? Yeah, and Deborah gives so much power to David because he's a doctor. And you see them do that with all the therapists and all the hypnotherapists. Like, yeah. they give so much power to people. Well, and also, I mean, I think Deborah loves the idea of being a doctor's wife, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm but the... like, what? Isn't he just like a. He's a researcher, right? Uh, I mean, he's a doctor, disease. but. He's an infectious disease specialist. I think like he's he's a legit he went to Hopkins University by the way um he's like and did his residency at Michigan like he's a somebody looked it up this week like he's a legit legit doctor I don't know if he's currently practicing at this exact moment but somebody looked up like his practice and it was admitting new patients so I think he is Mm. and I think she I mean Deb is all about fucking appearances you know what I mean I think she loves the idea of being a doctor's wife and I think also she likes holding that over Farah, and I think she likes. She knows Farah wants a husband, and like I found it's a totally. doctor. I'm gonna marry it. Like all they do is compete with each other. Oh, like Devin Farah, absolutely. I loved when Farah goes, yeah, yeah, and he's a doctor, so we should know how to handle stress or something. Because yeah. because Deborah was like, he's just stressed out. He just wants some space, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. So I think like, well, he's a doctor. I think no. Deb and Farah. It's just like this constant, like they don't know how to handle their power dynamics i think whatever is going on with deb has just gotten so much worse in the last few years and then whatever is going on with farah has gotten i think fame has really exasperated whatever issues they had you know what i mean yeah and i yeah, think you're so I right also... that sorry i was just gonna say i think you're so right that deb never ever validated farah as a child and that's why farah is constantly screaming at her like Oh, really? Really? Like, you, you think that? Like, you don't think that? Like, you're stupid. Like, she's trying to, like, not yeah, validate her. If Fair was over it or, you know, was healthy in any way, she would be able to walk away from that rather than just, you know, engage in it. And I think she kind of blacks out when she yeah, goes on those rants. Totally. She probably doesn't have a good memory of, like, what she says. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't think she's, like, cognizant at all. Of what she's doing yeah. when they fight. And also because she, when she says those things, like she, half the time she doesn't make sense. She's missing words. Her brain, there's something like yeah. not firing in the brain when I she's mean, doing that. I mean, it's her word that, salad. So. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. So let's go right to the nail salon. So they decide to go get their nails okay. done. And um, Sophia, like Deb's asking Sophia what she wants to do with the wedding. And Sophia's like, I want Mexican f- food. And it was cute. And then, okay, so I liked Simon in this episode, but he was definitely doing little shit-stirring things. Oh, and yeah. And he's like, yep. he's like, so, Farah, how's your relationship with David? <laughs> like, knowing damn well how her relationship with David is. And he's like, are you doing father-daughter mm-hmm. type things? And Farah's <laughs> like, so, Farah just looks at Deb and goes, it's kind of sad you're marrying someone who fucking hates me. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing with her and, like, wanting his approval, but then also at the same time saying, like, you don't matter to me, you know? Yeah. It's well, which is it, Sarah? Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is it? 
Yeah, and Farrah's like, I feel like I deserve a lot nicer treatment from somebody. And, mm-hmm. and you know, she's like, that's when she said, or Deb says, like, well, he's just stressed. And Farrah's like, and he's a doctor, right? So he should know how to handle stress. <laughs> I loved that. I just loved it. Yeah. And oh, my God. Farrah gives a classic line where she goes, God bless me for being honest. I'm just being honest. God bless me for being honest. Yeah, and you can tell, like, in those statements how inferior she feels to educated people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you she know, just spits like, out words. Yeah, like, and she doesn't realize that she can't think critically, right? So she doesn't know that, like, doctors are also people. Yeah. And <laughs> people get stressed, and a doc- being a doctor is a stressful job, actually. You know, like, I, I, just so funny. Yeah, so Simon was like, well, have you tried communicating with him? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, I communicate with everyone. I communicate great. And she actually says this. She says, I'm really the easiest person to get along with. And I can't remember yes, exactly I wrote what she that said. Down. And it was hard to understand, but what I know what she was trying to say was people want to say I'm the hardest to get along with, but it's actually all of you guys that are bad and I'm the easiest. Yes. Yes. And she also said something, I think it was in the nail salon, but it could have been another time or it could have been a voiceover. But she said about David, we're just not having great conversations. Yeah. And Simon was like, well, isn't he hard of hearing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god um, yeah i remember that. yeah and what, after she goes on her like i can't remember exactly how she phrased it but it didn't make sense but sometimes i can read between the fairer lines and i think what mm-hmm. she was saying was like everybody on the internet says like i'm the hardest to deal with but really i'm the easiest which is like so oh, really is that why you need your own segment on the after show specials and you can't be with the other girls because you're the easiest yeah and so then deb does her thing you know her response to her response to farah's like i'm the best i'm the greatest i'm always right is goes back to what you're saying where then deb goes into needs attention mode and like yeah she says i'm so sad everything i do makes everyone so fucking unhappy i don't want to exist farah so everyone can be happy and Farrah's like, oh, mm-hmm. is a grown-up throwing a fit? And Deb's like, no, it's just me wanting to die. Oh, yeah. And Sophia's there, mind you, you know, through this whole thing. <laughs> and Sophia is, like, underneath her bangs. No and reaction. Looking pure- yeah, yeah. Which is, like, honestly, and this is, like, where what darked me out way more than what we saw with Amber, way more way more than the driving scene it darked me out the most to see Farah have or to see Sophia have no reaction to this yeah and then Farah go Sophia do you want to step outside right now which by the way like, can I okay. give a, I need to give a shout out to Kara Berry uh in the Facebook group yeah. who said <laughs> which by the way guys listen to her bachelorette po- podcast very good podcast it's fucking hilarious yeah but um Kara Berry said said something like what Sophia gonna step out for a cigarette like <laughs> <laughs> Sophia's eight. Like Sophia can't just step outside. Like they're not in the house. I know like, in a city go to on vacation. Bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> like I know it just shows you. Like I don't know what if she if Farah meant something else, but like it just shows you like how. Well, she wasn't thinking. She how didn't non- mean anything. She just meant like she realized that <laughs> Sophia was there and the cameras were there, and also. 
somebody somewhere pointed this out that um she only she didn't say that this must this is probably uh my girl Stasi probably point I think pointed out um that she wasn't saying it to like comfort Sophia she was saying it to punish death no because she knew it would embarrass yeah, death her oh yeah because no, then she was totally. like my Dad, daughter shouldn't Dad. see you have a temper tantrum or throwing a fit. We don't want you yeah. to throw a fit in front of my daughter. It was just a point she was making. And Sophia never left the fucking chair anyway. No. Not, no. And this is where, like, my, like, I have sympathy for Farrah, or empathy, I guess is a better word. I have empathy for Farah because, like, it is hard to be the daughter of someone with borderline personality disorder. And Farah was, like, abused by her parents and had a very hard, terrible life. But, and mm-hmm. the racist shit she's been doing. But her subjecting Sophia to this is, like, unexcusable to me. I know. I'm feeling right now, like, do I need to make a CPS call? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, like, and not to mention Sophia already has, like, death issues. Like, remember when they went to visit Daddy Dare's grave and she was, like, in the, mm. they were in that limo because they took, like, a fucking limo to Daddy Derek's grave. Like, they couldn't run a town car. And and she was like, I want to die, which, like, I think was kind of like normal kid with the dead dad stuff. Like, I didn't think it was like that mm-hmm. outrageous, although, I mean, Sophia obviously desperately needs therapy. But um, yeah, but like and like I have a friend who's a widow and she has a, a six year old son. He was in kindergarten this year and like he doesn't say that type of stuff, like because he goes to like kid like he goes to a fucking group where it's like kids of that have dead fathers you know what i'm like yeah he like has been in grief therapy like his whole life she goes to grief therapy like he was just about one years old like he died shortly after his first birthday so like but he's like in groups with kids who have dead dads like you know what i mean like he yeah yeah he, he's developing as normally as possible considering his father was murdered um it's it was her it's horrific but uh, what I'm saying is, like, Farrah or Sophia already has, like, the like the biggest weight any child can have, right? Which is that their father died before they were even born. Like, that's, like, mm-hmm. the most horrific circumstances to come into this world. That your parent is dead. And, like, you have to carry that with you your entire life. And so for Sophia to be around Deb... Like, repeatedly saying she wants to kill herself and Farrah doesn't do anything to protect Sophia from that is, like, it's just an extra layer of fucked upness to me. Yeah, and because Deb is doing it, like, for shock value and she's not even realizing what she's doing to Sophia. Or she, I think that the two of them get into such rage blackouts, both of them. Well, like, Deb's isn't a rage blackout, it's, like, a manipulation blackout. Basically, yeah. Ferris is a rage blackout. Debs is a manipulation blackout. I think they literally forget Sophia's there. Yeah, you might be right. And that's terrifying. Yes, absolutely. It's that. And I think, you know, kind of like what you said, like Ryan's scene was so triggering for a lot of us, but not for you. And kind of same for me, like the Deb scene. Devin Ferris scenes, I was like, oh, I've been through this. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, my mom did that all the time. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So I was kind of used to that. And I know that you can, you know, grow up and be a productive member of society. (laughs) I mean, let's all add, so all, Sophia should be on all of our prayers list. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to turn out, but I don't think it's going to be In this whole episode, I was just thinking like, she just presents, Sophia presents like a child much younger than her. Like she had just finished second grade when this episode Mm -hmm. was filmed. Like, she does not read, like, a second grader to me. Yeah, maybe because of the baby talk that Deborah does. I think, yeah, and Farrah does it, too. And, um, I, I don't know. But I just, like, that, that scene was just, like, so, it was so bad. And it was, like, so fucked up on so many levels. It was fucked up of Farrah. It was fucked up of Deb. It was fucked up for Sophia. And... I was just so darked out by, like, Sophia not even reacting. Because, like, most kids, if they heard their grandma, like, if a kid in a healthy situation, like, heard their grandma say, like, I want to die, like, they would be hysterical. Yeah, they'd be worried. And they'd they'd say, no, grandma. Yeah. And they'd, like, hug them and comfort them. They'd be scared. It'd be scary. Like, that's scary to have an adult say, like, I want to die. Like, neither of my parents ever did that, so I was never in that situation. Surprisingly, surprisingly that wasn't a go-to tactic for my parents. Um, but... <laughs> oh, my mom said one time, like, because she moved to, like, this tiny town in Arizona where, like, there's, like, 12 people, and she said, I moved to the edge of the earth so I couldn't hurt anyone anymore. <laughs> I'll never You didn't get it. far enough, hun. but yeah it's like i feel like most eight-year-olds would be like very upset and frantic by that situation and sophia's not even fucking phased nope also it's like here we go again scary i do like something that worries me i hope i i honestly can't think inside of sophia's head but i'm worried she's because of the camera, she's not even embarrassed by it. Because I do remember being eight and being, like, heavily embarrassed if my parents would fight or, like, act up in public was, like, deeply disturbing to me. Because I did, even at that age, have a sense that, like, this wasn't okay or normal. And I'm worried that Sophia doesn't feel that. No, I don't think she knows any better because I don't think she has enough exposure to other people and kids and their families and normal friends and stuff. Yeah. You know, they don't, it doesn't seem like, I mean, I know they had that one little birthday party for her with a sleepover, but other than that, we've never seen Sophia with little kids her age, so. Yeah, but I feel like even, like, at a young age, like, I just, like, instinctively knew, like, this was embarrassing. (laughs) I did, too, but I had friends with really normal families. That's true. I guess I'm, like, underplaying, like, my exposure to other people. But, like, because I didn't really understand, like, my parents drinking and drug use for a long time. Like, that, like, was just normalized. But I do, like, have it, like, in it, I have always had, like, an intense feeling of, like, this isn't okay to do in public. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not sure. And also. I'm not, I'm just not sure Sophia understands that. No. No. She doesn't. She doesn't. She won't know for a while, I don't think. No. So they go to get ice cream afterwards because that's what you do after this, right? After your mom threatens to kill herself, like, you don't separate. You just go to get ice cream. 
and yeah. like David and Deb have this weird talk and you can tell she's even mad at David in this um, which was surprising yeah. for me to see and she just I just want to quickly say that Deb said I live in the temp- I live in the temps of hell constantly <laughs> I do get how she could feel like in the middle of it but it's yeah. a situation she put herself in no, and like she does. it doesn't need to be like this but, but and you know I agree a little bit with Farah here about like Deb feels like she's in the middle of it, but it's like, okay, so why did you bring in a husband that hates your daughter? Yeah. But also at the same time, yeah. like, no offense, like, Farrah's 26 years old. Like, Deb, I'm not saying that, like, just because Farrah's grown up, Deb can marry someone who doesn't like her daughter, but, like, David and Farrah don't have to have a close relationship or even get along beyond civilly. But, like, what guy marrying Deborah would like Farah? Yeah, that's... I mean, you have to be crazy <laughs> enough to like Deb, but to also like Farah, like, I... That person doesn't exist. And, if you're, and even if the guy comes from a good place and likes her initially and gives her the benefit of the doubt, it's never going to happen because Farah's going to be so awful to the guy. Like, it's yeah. just a lose-lose situation. And then I hated when the producer was like, are you guys going to sit together? Yeah, and I hate the like, over-involved no. producers. Yeah, it's like, of course we're not going to sit together. And that I did find David's like reluctance to do this whole trip very funny. <laughs> like, I just like I know I just we already talked about this earlier, but like I'm kind of obsessed with him being like, no, I'm not going to go go karting. <laughs> like, no, I don't think I'll go kayaking. <laughs> like, yeah, and then Farah walks by and goes, I've got chocolate, I've got Oreo, I've got cookies yeah, and doing cream. That Everything's that, great. Doing that thing that she does, and basically David says <laughs> like um, that he's going to cook a family dinner. Right and. Oh, and Deb was doing a little but he, more. But like, he basically, he has to get permission from Farah to do it. Yeah, he's like, well, I wanted to cook a family dinner, basically implying like he might not be allowed to. And yeah. Deb did throw in one more. I'm a fucking failure at everything. And it's like, I can't imagine how exhausting Deb is to be around. Yep. Like, is there anything yeah. worse than someone that acts like that? Like... Just like she, Deb is on 24-7 manipulation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they sit down for dinner and Deb casually says, like, well, I learned today that coffee ice cream doesn't mix well with key lime pie and we know it's on. <laughs> we know it's on because Fair right away goes into her rage immediately. And she's like, I had it. It was great. And it's like, this is what kills me about Farrah is that she has a complete inability to control her emotions at all when Deb is around. Exactly. All Deb has to do is open her mouth. Yeah, that's all she has to do. And I think, like, my guess is that might be, like, a PTSD thing. Like, she just, like, has no control over her reactions. Because I don't think she acts like that to everyone. You know? Like... It does seem yeah. to be mostly Deb and sometimes Michael. Mm-hmm. But it goes back to that thing where, like, if, you're, if your mother elicits that response, like, and I understand cutting contact is very extremely difficult, but you also have to take a fucking vacation and stay in the same house as her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Farah, I guess if she cuts off Deborah, does she lose, like, her child care? You know, 
Yeah, except I don't think Deb even watches her that much anymore. I really think it just goes back to this idea that Farrah needs to keep Deb around to punish her. And as part of her own yeah. identity. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Simon basically asks if everyone's over-arguing, and Farrah asks David... So, David, since the time you've gotten to know me, where do you envision your relationship with me going? Because it started out hateful and you're not connecting with me. <laughs> oh, maybe that's when she says we're not having great conversation. Like, I just want to reread just... this again. So, David, since the time you've gotten to know me, where do you envision your relationship with me going? Because it started hateful and you're not connecting with me. Is that a job interview question? Yeah. And like, this goes back to like the way that she phrases things is so narcissistic because I feel like a normal person would be like, David, like, where do you see that? Like, what do you see the two of us like, or how do you envision our relationship looking like in the future? Because right now, like the two of us are not getting along and like, I don't want it to be like that forever if you're going to marry my mom. But instead it's you, 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 me, me, me. Yeah. Yep. Farrah does not know and how to use like, a statement. No, and she, like, stood up, and she's, like, still wearing her sports bra and leggings, yeah. and she has a sunburn across her chest. Yeah. So, of course. And, by the way. Yeah, she does have she, uh, she never wears anything but leggings, because, like, I don't know if it's nothing will fit over her butt implant. Yeah, I think she'd but... have to get way bigger jeans and then tailor down the waists. <sighs> what a hassle, right? But. But the Kardashians do it. Yeah, well, you know, Farrah's not on their level, clearly. <laughs> um, so basically, David's like, well, we don't have a relationship. And then they get into the the age-old, should I respect you, should you respect me? And David basically is like, well, I don't like you because you don't respect Deb. And Farrah's like, well, she doesn't deserve respect. And he's like... Parents are to be respected. It's in the good book. And Farrah says, and I love the good book, and I asked you a blatant question. <laughs> Which was, where do you see our relationship? When this family brings Jesus into things is my in favorite. the Bible. <laughs> I love I it so much. I black out at that point. <laughs> I love it so much, because it's like, you guys believe in God? Like, I always forget. Um, And Farrah says, I want you to say to me what you're going to do if you marry my mom because I'm not going to support someone who fucking hates me. You just want my respect and you don't know how to earn it. And she's like, don't judge me when my mom can't get it. Talking about respect. And David's just like kind of like rambling back. And then Farrah says something which the first time we heard it, I didn't think that deeply about it. But then I realized what she was actually saying. So she says what I like pause this like 70 times so I could type down exact phrases because they were just so crazy. She said, when I have opportunities to take my mom to family therapy and have all these people pay attention to selfish motherfuckers who don't care about their families every day. And I realized when she said, I realized when she said that she was talking about marriage boot camp <laughs> yes i think they must have just come off that they, well no they didn't they finished finished filming marriage boot camp like in fucking like in october and this was in may oh okay okay but i think the promo was just coming out for it <laughs> okay because so i thought fresh. maybe deborah and david had like just gotten engaged 
So isn't it funny? But, I guess. but don't you think it's funny that like Farrah was like, and I have the opportunity to take my mom to family therapy. And like for a second, you're like, oh wow, like she wanted to take her mom to family therapy, and like Deb's refusing. And then you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> she means on TV. Exactly on TV. Yeah, and then she made that comment about like all these other people not caring about their family and she does is that what she was saying yeah she said and have all these people pay attention to selfish motherfuckers who don't care about their families every day (laughs) oh my god basically it goes back to the thing where fair is the only person in the world that's like caring to like make a family unit right and so i believe sarah that she on a deep level wants and needs a family yeah definitely. but obvious yeah and obviously she doesn't know how to detach from her nuclear family and make her own yeah she doesn't know how to do that yeah totally and david um, says to her she doesn't need family therapy you need therapy and here's the thing yeah I kind of agree with David that Deb doesn't need family therapy if he's talking about the TV show. Totally. And I think they he might have been. Need, yeah, they each need individual therapy. Like, there's, the thing is, you don't really come together and start working on family stuff until you've sorted out some individual Well, it's stuff. like going you to know, couples like counseling you, with your abuser. Exactly. Yes, Exactly. Yeah, it exactly. it doesn't work. And I think I, like, this might not be true, but, like, I have accepted in my head that Farrah was talking about family therapy there. And when David responded, like, she doesn't need family therapy, he was talking about the fucking TV show. And he was like, she doesn't need to go on the TV show with you. Like, she doesn't need that. Like, you need to get regular therapy. I think that's what he was trying to express. Yeah, and on some level, maybe Farrah was saying, like, I have this opportunity to bring you on so Deborah gets paid something. Yeah, maybe? I think def- definitely. And I think also, like, Farrah maybe genuinely believed it would help them. I don't know how, but okay. But I think David was just but like, no. I loved that scene in Family Therapy where they brought in the little kids and made the little kids act out the adults. I didn't Did you watch see that? that? No. Was it good? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, you. If you watch one okay. episode, let that be the clips. one because. So so they brought in these little kids and these little kids. The therapist started asking them questions and mm-hmm. without like revealing their identity, they're like, they like said like I'm a 16 year old who got pregnant and then my yeah. you know boyfriend died or whatever, and everyone had like an extreme emotional reaction to seeing these little kids, like you know tell their stories and it was actually kind of interesting but the one person who was like nope they did a terrible job actually wasn't Farah. it was deborah interesting so the yeah so the kid that came out to play deborah she was like that wasn't right that that wasn't me that was well because it goes back into her thing where like whatever deborah says is reality is reality and so like yeah if a kid is doing her like she she can't be like she can't control that narrative basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Farah's response to you need therapy and she doesn't need therapy is, you know why I'm in therapy, sweetheart? Because my family fucked me up. Don't ever come (laughs) on a trip with me again. Don't ever say I need therapy again. And she said, I've never even had my parents in my whole life say I need therapy. 
Which is a weird statement. Because um, I rewound that three that, times to make sure that's what she was saying. Like, as if someone's supposed to tell you that at some point, and it, your parents are supposed to tell you that? I don't know what I that think means. she was saying, like, you don't have a relationship with me close enough to suggest that I need therapy. And even those closest to me don't say that to me because it's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. But Farah Thera, uh, cannot be shocked that people think she needs therapy. <laughs> No, but I mean, yeah. And then she said, yeah, and she, but she's not wrong in that she's like, because my family fucked me up. But it's like, honey, you've got to let go of that Mm -hmm. at some point. She's not wrong, but it's the same thing that like I had to learn to let go of that. Like I was using my victimhood to justify everything that happened to me. And at some point, like you have to, like at some point you either let go of the trauma and move on or it literally consumes you until you die. Yeah, and you know what? It's not a cute look, and that's why she can't find a boyfriend or a husband or no one wants to commit to her, you know, because she just, she, like, there's steam coming out of her ears, you know, and this, like, at all times, and the steam is negativity. Yeah. (laughs) It's exactly the opposite of what she thinks it is. Yeah, and when she says, like, nobody's ever said to me that I need therapy, which, like, LOL, um, he... David's yeah. response is, I'm a doctor. And she's like, and you suck at being a doctor, bitch. And that's yeah. when he does fuck yeah. you with the middle fingers. And she said, fuck you. I hope you get rammed in the ass. Oh, yeah. That was a nice touch. Yeah, it was weird. And, like, here's what I want to say about this whole thing. Um. Oh, but right before I get into that, uh, Farrah says, you're a psychologist and... You, you're a psychologist and you can suck it. Erin, you suck at it, which, like, he's not a psychologist. Like, he's an infectious disease no. specialist. Like, he's not I think even it's a psychiatrist. He has, no, but I think it's possible he has both an MD and a PhD, and that's, that is what might be confusing her. I mean, I no, I think she just doesn't understand what a doctor or psychologist is. That, too. Like, I think she literally thinks all doctors are psychologists. Oh, because, oh, because Dr. Drew probably, like, confused her. Yeah, remember, and, like, and also I just, I think she, like, doesn't care enough about, like, anything in the world to, like, comprehend the difference. Yeah, probably. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, like, Pharaoh, like, just one day, like, assumed all doctors were psychologists, and, like, that's her reality. Yeah. Yeah, I could (laughs) believe that, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and, um... And then Deb starts doing her, or, oh, she says, which is one of my favorite things, she's like, Farrah's like, you two can go have your drama. Like, she has no part in it whatsoever. And Deb can't, Deb can't let the conversation get too far away from her. So she starts declaring that she's going to die, and if I don't have love, I have nothing, and that she wants to die. And, you know, Farrah was right, because she said, you need to figure out how to love yourself. Not bad. But I do want to yep. say my overall opinion of this fight was, um, you know, Farah asked David a question and was mad at his honest response. I know. I know. And she's so, I mean, David's probably smarter than to be confused by her, but she does, like, lead with one thing and exit with a completely different 
yeah. thing, totally. you know? But I, and, and I viewed that dinner as kind of like his olive branch, not really even towards Sarah, but just to do something for Deborah. Yeah. And, you know, and then she's like, his behavior is weird because he wanted to cook dinner for them. And so you just can't win. Yeah, totally. So that was a, a crazy last episode for Farah. It really was. Yeah. Hey guys, to hear the rest of this episode, come on over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week for the reunion. Love you. Kisses. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.